and we like to have lost her. She went through a really bad time of uh, getting septic in the, in the whole deal. And uh, she, to, to, this morning was the first time uh, that she has been able to be back in church. And and uh, he was Andrew was preaching this morning, and and they had. Uh, they had a time thinking about the goodness of God, and I'm so glad of that. We're going to hear about that tonight, uh, a woman who God was very, very good to. And it's probably a, a, as familiar story in the Bible as the, the, the demoniac of Gadara, but we're going to talk this morning about, or this evening about the woman at the well, but not specifically the first part of the story. Most, most people, you know, when we go to this chapter, we always want to focus on the well and what happened at the well and what Jesus did and what happened to this precious woman. And, but I want to I talk about the last half. If you'll give us time here, uh, most everybody knows the situation. Jesus is traveling. Uh, he's going through. And the Bible says he must needs go through Samaria, which is very odd. Very odd because it, most of the time, if you look at a map of Israel, you'll find the bottom half is Judea, and then you have Samaria, and then you have Galilee. And any time that the Jews would go from uh, Judea and go to Galilee, they would cross over the Jordan River and go around Samaria so they did not contaminate themselves with the soil that the Samaritans lived on. They hated the Samaritans. They despised the Samaritans, and it was mutual. They hated each other. Many, many of the Jewish people didn't even believe Samaritans had souls, didn't believe that God would even save them. That's what makes so powerful the story that Jesus told about the good Samaritan. The, the Pharisees said there's no way a Samaritan would be that good to somebody, and that's what we have here. And as they would go their normal route, to go across the Jordan River and up around Samaria, Jesus said, no, 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 stop. We need to go through Samaria. We need to go through this particular city. And I'm so glad Jesus knew there was somebody who needed salvation. Amen? They go to the, they go to the well. They find, the, they find uh, this place for Jesus to rest. He is, he is weary with his journey, and the disciples are sent into the city to find something to eat. Now, how many of y'all know Jesus is always up to something? Always up to something. He never does anything by accident. There's no such thing as a coincidence with the Lord Jesus. He sends his disciples, and we'll get back to this in just a second. He sends his disciples into the city to buy meat. And as he sends his disciples in, here comes this woman to this well. And this is a very unusual situation. One, because it was in the dead heat of the day. They did not come at this time of the day for water because it, the, the heat was so intense. And not only that, but this wasn't even the closest well to the city of Sikar, meaning she was going out of her way to be avoiding people. And I believe with her reputation, She'd been married five times and was, was shacking up with the one she was with. She was looking for love in all the wrong places, had a reputation for uh, 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 in all of this city, probably was judged, probably was ridiculed, probably was talked about, and she was doing her dead-level best to avoid people, avoid judgment, avoid criticism, and here she comes, but Jesus is waiting at the well. And as I fast-forward this story, you'll know what happened Jesus confronted her and, and, and confronted her sin, and, and she says, listen, we know the Messiah's coming. We've been hearing about this our whole life. They told us someone's going to come. God is going to send the Messiah. God is going to send somebody to give us all the answers, and we know what happened. Jesus looks at her and says, I am he. 
In that moment, she believed in Jesus. In that moment, she left her pot at the well, which represented the burden that she carried, and she ran back to the city. Now this brings us to where we are tonight. John 4, verse number 27. Jesus is finishing up the conversation with the woman, and the disciples are coming back from the city, and they see Jesus talking with her. If that makes sense, everybody say amen. amen. All right, let's look. Verse number 27. And upon this, <coughs> upon this came his disciples and marveled that he talked with the woman. Yet no man said, What seekest thou? Or why talkest thou with her? Now the marvel was this. She, one, she was a woman. A, a, a self-respecting rabbi in that day would not speak to a woman he was not uh, related to out in public. Number two, she was a Samaritan. She was a Samaritan. They were thinking, what in the world's he doing talking with a Samaritan? Maybe their prejudice is coming out. Maybe uh, who they are and, and, and what they had in their cultural tradition is coming out in their thought process. But the woman then left her water pot and went away into the city and saith to the men, Come see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came unto him. And in the meanwhile, that means, that means this. If you've ever, you've ever watched a TV show or a movie, there's two scenes happening at the same time. In other words, while Jesus, while, while she is going to talk to the men in the city, Jesus is having a discussion with his disciples, and it happens at the same time. Both of these things are taking place. In the meanwhile, in the meanwhile, it says this. He prayed his disciples. The disciples prayed him, saying, Master, eat. But he said unto them, I have meat to eat that you know not of. Therefore said the disciples one to another, Hath any man brought him aught to eat? Jesus saith unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Say not ye there yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes, look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. And he that reapeth receiveth wages, and gathereth fruit unto life eternal, that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. And herein is that saying true, one soweth and another reapeth. I sent you to reap whereon ye bestowed no labor. Other men labored, and ye are entered into their labors. Now watch this. Let's all read this together. Can y'all do that with me? Everybody read together. Verse 39. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the disciples. Is that what it said? Mm -mm. Let me, let's try it again. I, I messed it up somewhere. I got crossed right here. You ready? And many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the, the woman, which testified, he told me all that ever I did. Let's pray. <clears throat> Lord, thank you so much for every single person in this room. Thank you for their faithfulness. Thank you for their commitment to be in the house of God when the, when the doors are open. Lord, I pray that you will touch us all. Now, Lord, we need you to speak to us through your word. Use your word to challenge us today. Use your word to convict us today. Use your word to encourage us, lift us up, put us where we need to be. Lord, I pray that you'll fill me with your Holy Spirit. Don't let me say anything I shouldn't, and don't let me forget anything I should. Lord, please help us to be better Christians today, better Christians tomorrow than we were even today. And God will thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said. Amen. Let's look at this story. 
Let's look at this story. You've got to use your imagination. You've got you to put yourself in, into the, the scene here. Put yourself at the well. Put yourself into the city. Now we have, we have Jesus over here uh, talking with this woman, changing her life, speaking to her about her needs, speaking to her about what she truly needed in life. Yes, he used water. He used something that was very secular to get the attention across, get the point across, but he was able to share with her who he was. Now, now I kind of got ahead of myself, but let me remind you what Jesus said when he, when he called the disciples to follow him, primarily Peter, James, and John. He said, follow me, and I will make you to become, say it again, fishers of men. That's going to be your job. That's going to be your calling. That's going to be your responsibility. I'm going to teach you. I'm going to train you. I'm going to give you examples. I'm going to show you how to become fishers of men. So can we all agree that that was what they were being trained to do? That was what he called them to do. That was the whole purpose. And them following Jesus was to become fishers of men. Now watch this. They leave Jesus at the well and they go to the city. And while they're in the city, this woman comes to Jesus. Jesus changes her life. Jesus touches her forever. Now, now they are crossing paths again. They are coming. They've got their food. They've got everything that they have ordered and they have bought, and they're bringing back to Jesus. And they see Jesus talking with this woman, and it kind of puzzles them, like, what in the world is this all about? But they don't say nothing. Good move, disciples. Amen. Here they come. Here they come. And then she passes them, going back to where they had just come from. Are y'all with me so far? Now watch this, watch this. They come back to Jesus. Jesus is not happy. Jesus is not happy. If you will read this and, and look and read between the lines, they come to Jesus and they try to give him something to eat and he says, I have meat to eat that you know not of. They turn around saying, what in the world? Did somebody bring him a sandwich? What happened? What is this about? Here we've been in there working, slaving, trying to buy something to eat. Somebody's done brought. What is this about? And then he begins to lecture them. Now, in the meanwhile, in the meanwhile, this brand new Christian. Did y'all catch that? This brand new Christian who didn't know all of the Bible, who didn't know the Romans road, who never went to seminary, never went to Sunday school, never spent a lot of time in church, but she had an experience with God. She goes back to the city and says, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. It's not this the Christ. We have found him, the one we've heard about, the one they taught us about. We know him. He's at the well. And guess what happens? The whole city comes out. Now, here's what I want you to do. We're going to look at three characters in this, in this story, primarily First of all, the disciples. The disciples, they are a picture of the modern church, the modern Christian. Now, they have been called, they have been commanded, they have been taught and trained to do what? Come on, everybody. Fishers of men. How many people did they bring to Jesus? Zero. Think about this. In this story, besides Jesus, obviously, but the most educated, the most experienced, the people who had spent the most time with Christ 
and were the closest to him, went to a city full, full of sinners and never told one that the Savior was waiting at the well. That's the modern church. We spend time with Jesus and we worship and we sing and we shout and we praise and we brag. But then when we go to the place where the people need us the most, we don't tell a soul. Now here's what I want you to write down. If you're taking notes, the modern Christian or the modern church, first of all, first of all, they were only focused on themselves. They were only focused on themselves. Now watch this. Here they're going. These are, they're sinners all around. They're sinners all around. And, and you say, how, how, wait a minute. How do you know? How, how do you know that? Because Jesus said, Jesus said, I sent you where someone else labored. I sent you where someone else labored. I sent you to reap. And, and here's what they did. Has anybody got any bread? Has it got any bread? What kind of bread? No, this bread is, that, that bread is too hard. Man, we got to get some, anybody got some fresh bread? Is there any fish? Has anybody got any fish around here? And, and here they go trying their best. And, 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 and is there anything wrong with getting bread? Is there anything wrong with getting fish? No, not a thing. Not a thing. But the problem is, is when we are so focused on our own agenda, our own physical needs, we fail to see the people all around us. Jesus said, unless a man would deny himself, take up his cross and follow me, he cannot be my disciple. You know what the Bible says? Greater love is this than a man laid down his life for his friends. And we are to lay down our lives. And that doesn't mean we're to die. Jesus died on the cross. He wants us to be, uh, what's Romans 12 say, a living sacrifice. Are we willing to lay aside our agenda? Are we willing to lay aside some time so we can, instead of focusing on my schedule, my agenda, my needs, say what happened when they were only focused on themselves? Here's the second part. This is the saddest part. They missed all the opportunities around them. They miss all the opportunities around them. You say, how do you know there was opportunities? Because she went and told them and brought the whole city to Jesus. Does everybody see this? Today, I walked, in, I walked into the, uh, <clears throat> the elevator. When I got home, we went, we went and got something to eat. And uh, and got to the got to the motel, and I was going I was going to try to find that motel room with that bed with a sixty degree uh, air conditioner. Say, man, <laughs> I was not being spiritual. I didn't want to be spiritual. I was off the clock. Say, amen. <laughs> Walked in that elevator, and here come a, 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 a one of the one of the maintenance ladies carrying a big old bag of trash. And I looked at her. Holy Spirit said, "Opportunity." I said, "Ma'am, how are you doing today?" I tried to put the biggest smile on my face. I was so tired, I didn't even want to smile. It had to have been a God smile. Amen. And, I, and, and she said, well, I'm doing good. She said, well, you look nice. I still have my, my church clothes on, you know. And uh, I said, yes, ma'am. She said, you here for work? I said, boy, I'm glad you asked. Amen. <laughs> I said, yes, ma'am, I kind of am. I said, I'm preaching over here at You Follow Baptist Church. And, and uh, man, we had a great service this morning. And, and uh, she said, well, that's nice. I said, ma'am. Can I ask you a question? She said, what? She, I said, do you know the Lord? 
She said, oh, yes. She said, I surrendered my life to Jesus. She gave me the time and all of that. What, a, what, a, what an opportunity. But you know what? I wasn't looking for that. I was looking for the bed. Are y'all with me? But sometimes we get so caught up. We get so busy. And let's face it, man, there, there, you ever you had any extra time? Really? Man, I hadn't been home. I hadn't been home since last, last Sunday afternoon. I, I was in, I was in uh, Mount Airy the week before that and Asheville the week before that. And nobody's got extra time. That's like saying, you got any spare change? Yeah, I'm just throwing stuff away all the time. No, we don't have none of that. I'm not, I'm not trying to tell you to take a day out of your life and spend four hours on the street. I'm just saying wherever you go, every single day, open your eyes to the opportunities that's there all around us. But you won't ever see them if you're only focused on yourself. Y'all ever, ever have that, that little saying? When, when we was in Sunday school, they said the secret to joy, J-O-Y, is Jesus first, others than you. Boy, we're going to have to get back to that. We're going to have to get back to that. Listen, I promise you, people, they're here. They're everywhere. They're Jesus said, look, look, do you know what it means? Do you know what it means when he said, I sent you to reap where someone else labored? This is what this means. My, brother, my brother's got a mango tree down in South Florida. I grew up in South Florida. I'm, I'm, I know some of y'all think I'm, I'm from Alabama. I'm not from Alabama. I'm a missionary to Alabama. <clears throat> I'm from South Florida. I'm in a heathen land just north of Tuscaloosa. Amen. <laughs> I mean, it's bad. Uh, but my brother's got a mango tree. I was down there visiting him a few months ago. And, uh, uh, and I, I went up to because I love mangoes. Good Lord, have mercy, I love mangoes. And I seen them mangoes, and, man, they was big, super hybrid mangoes, sweet as sugar. It's crazy. And I went to get one. And y'all got to pray for him, too. He's like in a serious war with some squirrels over them mangoes. It's, it's, it's getting real. I'm serious. I, I pulled up in the yard, and he's sitting on the bench looking out there with it. It looks like an AR-15, but it's an AR-15-22. And he said, I see him. Look at him right there. Am I lying, Becca? Uh, it's, it's legit, ain't it? It's real. I went over and I was going to pick one of them mangoes. And I went to grab one. He's, ho, 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 wait a minute. I said, what in the world's your problem? He said, that one ain't ripe yet. He said, you got to let it get completely ripe so all of the sweetness will be in there. He said, watch this right here. He went over to one and he, I, I'm telling you, God is my witness. He just bumped it with his hand, boop, and it fell off right in his hand. It was ready. It was ready. Now, what's the point? There are people all around us. I know, there's some, I know there's some people out there that ain't even close to being ready. And I know you probably bumped into people you tried to witness to. But here's the thing. Pray that God will send you someone that's ready. There are people. He is saying, I sent somebody before you got there to prepare them people and have them people ready. They were ready for you to take a harvest and you didn't even open your mouth. That's what he said. To how do you know they were ready? Because all she did was say one thing and brought the whole city out to Jesus. Amen? Listen, pray this. Pray this. <clears throat> how many of y'all have ever prayed for Bob? Bob said, I don't know no Bob. Watch this. B. B stands for a burden. Say that with me. B stands for? Do you know, do you know we'll never, ever notice or see opportunities around us till we get a burden? Till we get a burden. 
You know what Paul said? You know how, you know how severe Paul's burden was for, for the lost, his lost brethren? He could, this is what he said. I'm telling you, this is hard to believe. But he said, I could wish my soul, my life, a curse from God for my brethren. In other words, let me put it in plain English. It means if, if it meant me going to hell for all of my brethren to get saved, I'd be willing to go to hell. That's what kind of burden he had. He said, my heart's sorrowful. I'm ever grieving over the lostness of my brethren. When's the last time you had a tear, a burden? And here's the thing. You can't manufacture a burden. I've done learned that. You can't work a burden up. We got to pray, God, break our hearts. God, open our hearts to the needs around us. God, give us a burden. B stands for burden. O, here's a biggie. O stands for opportunity. Say that with me. O stands for? Say, God, give me an opportunity. God, give me an opportunity. Then the last B is for boldness. Boldness. Now, it doesn't matter if we get an opportunity if we don't have the boldness to share. Amen? So pray for Bob every morning. God, give me a burden to see somebody saved. Give me an opportunity to share my story. Give me boldness to do this. And I'm telling you, we call it in the, in the, the disciple training we do at home, we call it a pre-Christian. Get, God, give us a pre-Christian. That means one that's ready, boop, drop in your hand. Amen. I'm tired of these hard-headed, stubborn people. Man, I want one ready. God, give me a pre-Christian. I, <laughs> I, I went to the staff meeting uh, one morning, and, 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 man, it was just one of them stabbed me. It was just one of them kind that was just, I, it, I was ready to fire everybody in the room. I mean, it was just, I said, that's it. I'm, I just walked out. I said, I'm going to the gym. I'm going to work off some of this frustration. I got in the gym about three minutes. I said, I ain't doing this. <clears throat> I went straight to the sauna. I said, maybe I can melt some of this fat off. Amen. <laughs> I walked into that sauna, and here I am, and there's this kid sitting right across from me, about, about 21 years old. And I'm sitting there, and the Holy Spirit says, you prayed for a pre-Christian today. Here's your opportunity. I said, hey, young man, how you doing? He said, I'm doing good. He looks at me and said, are you Malcolm Carter? I said, yeah. He said, you don't remember me? I said, I'm sorry, son. I don't remember yesterday. He said, I'm Cooper. I'm Cooper Creel. I said, Coop, man, he was a friend who went to high school with my oldest daughter, Jordan. I, man, we struck up a conversation. Man, how are you doing? I said, Cooper, can, I, can, can you give me just one minute? Can I share my story with you? He said, sure, go ahead. And I shared my story with him. I said, Cooper, do you got a story like that? He said, you know, it's funny you ask that. I was just at work. We were talking about God and church. It is weird that we're talking about this. It ain't weird. I prayed for a pre-Christian that morning. I said, man, would you like to trust Christ and, and receive? We're in a sauna at the, at the, at the workout place, the, the Coleman Aquatic Center. We're sitting in there sweating, just pouring off of us. I said, man, would you like to pray and ask Christ to say? He said, I sure would. He said, well, I said, let's do it right here. We went to get on our knees, and the door flung open, and about a 10-year-old kid come in. I thought, oh, man, this is going to ruin everything. He comes in. I look at him. I said, I'm just going to roll with it. I said, how you doing, young man? He said, I'm doing good. I said, son, you get to go to church anywhere? He says, I sure do. I said, where do you go? He said, temple. That's my church. <laughs> I said, are you serious? He said, yeah. I said, who's your mom and daddy? He told me. I recognized who it was. I said, hey, man. I said, Cooper's fixing to pray and ask God to save him. I said, you want to pray with us? He said, sure. All three of us right there got in a sauna praying, asking God to save him. You say, what was that? An opportunity. Did I go to soul? No. 
No, I just want to get away from the staff, to be honest with you. No offense, guys. But here's an opportunity. I wonder how many we walk by every day, and in their mind, they're searching for hope. Now, watch this. This is the sad part about this story. This is the sad part about this story. She said out of her own mouth, we have been told, right? She said, someone's coming. We're waiting. Our fathers have told us about a Messiah. Our fathers have told us about someone who's going to tell us all things. In other words, this whole city had been waiting. They had been looking. They had been longing for this special person that has been promised to come, the Savior. Now watch this. All of these merchants, all of these salesmen, all of these people in these shops, they're in their hearts and minds longing and waiting for this hope and somebody to come tell them the truth. And then here you have these disciples who know who he is. And not only do they know who he is, they know where he is at. And they don't tell a soul. How is that any different than when we go to the store? And we go to the market, and we go to the restaurant, and we go to the ball field, and we go everywhere we go, and we are looking eyeball to eyeball to hungry, hurting, broken people who are trying to find hope, and they're trying to find an answer to the problems of life, and we have the hope, we have the help, we know the answer, we've got the Spirit of God in us, and we don't tell a soul. How are we any different? than these disciples were not. They were so focused on their own. And by the way, who were they getting, preacher, who were they getting the meal for? Jesus. Do you realize we could be focused on something good and miss the best? That's not a bad thing to want to get a sandwich for Jesus. Am I right? But when we, watch this now, it's, it's going, we can get so busy serving, we forget our command, and we forget our calling. Oh, but preacher, I don't have to do that kind of stuff. I sing in the choir. Show me chapter and verse. Oh, but preacher, I preach, and I, I do the deacon thing, and I, I do teaching. I, I teach from the Sunday school. I, I, show me. He said, go share the gospel to every creature. Now watch, that's the negative side. Let's, 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 y'all are so thrilled about hearing that. Let's move on to point two. Watch what Jesus says. Watch what Jesus says. They come to him with a sandwich and he says, guys, I have meat to eat that you know not of. That meat, that word meat, he's not necessarily saying a sandwich. He's saying that which fulfills me. There is something that satisfies me, that fulfills me, that you don't even have a clue. That's what he's saying. In other words, and what did he just get through doing? He just got through sharing the gospel with this broken woman. And this woman getting saved was more satisfying and more fulfilling to Christ than it was for them to give him, excuse me, that sandwich. Now, here's what I'm seeing in a lot of Christians today. We're coming to church, we're shouting, we're praising, we're singing, we're reading our Bible, we're hearing some good sermons, 
But there's still something missing. There's still something that I just want it. And you may tell you what it is. Lead someone to Christ. Share your story with someone and watch them get saved. And I'm going to tell you this. There is nothing in this world, nothing in this world, like seeing someone come to Christ. There's nothing more fulfilling. There's nothing more encouraging. There's nothing more challenging. I'm telling you guys, this is the greatest thing in the world. My, my daughter called me Jordan, the one that was here this morning. I've been working with her and helping train her, learn her story and be able to tell her story and tell God's story and, 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 and follow through with all of this. And, and when, she was down, <clears throat> when she was down in Florida or, or uh, Alabama, she, she came up to me and I said, do you have your stories on you? Oh, yeah, I got my stories. I said, have you, have you shared it verbally yet? Ooh, ooh, Dad, ooh, Dad. I said, you hadn't told somebody verbally yet? Oh, no, not, not, not yet. I said, you got to do I said, the, the, this, the, 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 my story. Oh, that's a card. I ain't got, I didn't hand them all out. I'm sorry. I am such a slacker. I got to print some more. Amen. I said, that is a backup. You want to share your story and use the track as a backup. Oh, I know, Dad. I know, Dad. I said, practice, 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 practice. Practice with your husband. Practice with a little Carter. Practice with the stump outside. Practice with a cow across the street. I don't care. Just practice. The only way you're going to get better is practice. Well, about two weeks after that, she calls me. And I answer the phone. I said, hello. She's squalling. I'm talking about squalling, just tore all the pieces. I said, well, I thought something was wrong with Carter. I said, what's wrong? What's wrong? Oh, daddy, oh, daddy, oh, daddy. I got one. I, got, I finally got one. I'm finally taking somebody to heaven with me. I said, well, tell me about it. And it was at a restaurant. She shared her story and, and witnessed and, and, and led uh, the, the, the waiter to Christ that was waiting on them. And she was so excited. She said, daddy, there is nothing like it. I said, that's what I've been trying to tell you. I have meat to eat that you know not of. Have you tasted that meat? Have you had an opportunity to share your story and share God's story? I promise you this. There's nothing, nothing in this world like it. And I, I, I want to I I close with this. I, I've got a couple other points, but it's, I, they ain't they important. This, this is important right here. This is important. Uh, I know... I know, I'm going to tell you something, you're not going to believe it, you're going to think I'm lying, but my foot's on the altar and my hand's on the Bible. I solemnly swear that this is the God's honest truth. When I walk out them doors, I am very, very shy by nature. I mean shy. You, you can ask my daughter, I'm, but it, they don't believe it when they see you up here. Preacher, can you explain to them the anointing? It, you, there's no way to explain it. When you're in the anointing, God's doing all this stuff. But when you're out there, man, I'm just terrified. When I was a kid, when I was a kid, I would, I would, I would go to get on the bus, and I wouldn't even look up. I wouldn't even look up. I'd keep my head down, and I would look till I seen an empty, an empty chair, and I sat in that, I sat in that bench, hoping to God nobody sat with me. And I still do that on planes now. I mean, I just, it just wigs me out. But man, when we went through this training, we went through this training, God's really helped me with that. And I want to encourage you guys. I want to encourage you guys. You say, Preacher, I'm scared. That's okay. That's okay. There was a man in the Bible. You might want to look him up. He said when he went to share, 
He had fear and trembling. Fear and trembling. He even said he didn't talk right. He did. He said, I don't come with fancy words. He said, I get my words messed up. He said, I come with fear and trembling. I thought, dear God, that's like me. You know who he is? His name was the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul. And here's, here's what I want to encourage you. God's going to be with you. You're not going to be on your own with this. My daughter, I said, I said, baby, what'd you learn from this? She said, I got to practice. I got to practice. She said, daddy, I fumbled all over my words. I fumbled all over my words. I said, you know what else you learned? That it's the Holy Spirit, not you. You were willing to be used. And I know you think you messed everything up, but the Holy Spirit took what you said and made it happen. When I was a kid, and this is it, we're closing right here. Y'all know I grew up in, 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 in church my whole life. In church, we had every year, we had a Christmas pageant. Every single year. It was the same identical pageant. I don't know why people even came, but it was the same one. I've been baby Jesus in the manger. I've been Jesus 12 years old, confounding the wise in the temple. I've been Jesus on a cross. I've been donkeys and sheep and shepherds. I've been everything. They never let me be an angel, though. I don't know if there was something about that. But as I was growing up, my grandmother, my mom's mom, Lois Jones, she would come to the Christmas pageant. Never would come any, any other church, any other church service. But she had about 12 of her grandyoungs in that Christmas pageant. And every year, Grandma came. And even as a little kid, even as a little kid, I can remember praying, Oh, God, save Grandma tonight. Oh, God, I just knew it. I just knew this is a, finally, this is a night. Year after year after year, Grandma would come. I'd see her come in. And, man, I just knew that was the year. This, she's going to get saved. Well, as time goes by, time goes by, here I am, 17 years old. Finally, I surrendered to Christ because I was tired of running from God. I knew he was calling me to preach, and I surrendered to preach. And you got to remember, you got to remember, I'm terrified of people. I'm so nervous. I'm thinking, why in God's name would you want me to do this? I can't do this. And I went to my father. I said, Dad, I said, I think, I think, I think God's wanting me to preach. I, I truly think God wants me to preach. And, and he said, okay, son. Well, you, and he remembered dad's a real old school. He said, if God's calling you to preach, you got to come forward and, 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 and tell everybody, you know, make a profession what, what God's called. I said, in front of people? He said, son, you're saying you're called to preach. I said, I know it. He said, I tell you what, I tell you what. He said, you just come stand beside me and I'll do all the talking. It was in that moment that I learned never trust a preacher. He said, just come stand right beside me, son. I'll, I'll, I'll do all the talking. I said, okay, Dad, okay. I'm standing there, and I'm looking out just, I mean, just nervous as can be. Dad standing there said, ladies and gentlemen, Malcolm's got something he wants to say. He lied like a dog. I wanted to say, no, I don't either. Amen. I said, I said God's calling me to preach. Well, that was a Sunday night. And my dad looks at me, and he said, all right, son, be ready Wednesday. Wednesday of what year you know I mean what, what are you serious he said be ready and he was very old school he said son the only way you're going to learn how to do it is get in there and do it every single Wednesday night he made me preach till I went to Bible college 
I would sit right over here on this side of the auditorium in that chair right there. The second, and, 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 and my dad, he would lead the whole service, everything he would lead the whole service. And when it come time for preaching, he'd say, all right, and he'd wave me on, and I'd come up, and man, my sermons were so short, it was almost like I did the sermon and went right on back down. I mean, it was, <laughs> they were, things have changed, amen. And, and it was, I was good with that. All I got to do is come give him a little message and, and then go sit back down, and he does everything. Man, it was, I, I, I was good with all that. One day he comes and he says, he says, Malcolm, he said, me and your mama's going to take, we're going to take a little break. We're going to Cocoa Beach. You, you got the whole service this Wednesday. I said, what? I said, what do you mean I got the whole service? He said, you got the whole service. You got everything from the beginning to the end. I said, the invitation and everything? He said, the whole thing. Son, I prayed for the rapture of Jesus Christ between Sunday and I was scared to death. Scared to death. And boy, that Wednesday come, and I remember it. I'm telling you, I can see it in my eyes right now. I remember up here, I was fooling with my, with my, my, my notes and my outline, nervous. I looked up, and then back doors opened. Y'all ain't going to believe who came in my grandmother I'm talking about she never this was in the middle of the summer we weren't even close to Christmas and she come through those doors and man you talking about nervous and I remember what I preached I preached what you'll see when you see heaven Boy, after the, after the little sermon was over, I come down here. I done saw my dad do it a million times. I'd never done an invitation, but I saw him do it a million times. I knew he'd stand right here, and he'd call people for And I was so scared and so nervous. I had my arms out like he did, and I was looking down. I wouldn't even look up. If you need to come, you come. And on the inside, I was saying, dear God, don't bring nobody down here. <laughs> Please don't bring nobody down here. You ever had your eyes closed and you sensed somebody was close to you? Man, I was sitting there just hoping to God this thing would get over quick. And I sensed somebody was close to me. So I peeked one eye open and I saw feet at my feet. And I looked up. Y'all ain't going to believe who it was. It was my grandmother. It scared me so bad. I didn't know what to say. She's looking at me. I'm looking at her. And this is what I said. What do you want? <clears throat> I ain't, I'm not making none of this up. She says, I want to get saved. I couldn't think of the Romans Road. I had all this memorized since I was in the third grade. I couldn't think of anything. The only thing that came to my mind was John 3. I said, Grandma, for God so loved the world, she quoted the rest of it. I said, that's all you need to know. Let's pray. And we prayed just as soon as church was over. I run to the house because our house was across the field from the church. I run to the house and I called dad. I said, hey, dad, dad. Uh, Grandma came forward and I think she got saved. I need you to call and see if it took. <laughs> I don't know if I did it right. Preacher, she never missed another service. Never missed another service. Now, I'm telling you this. Because I did everything wrong. I did everything in that whole scenario. I didn't do one thing right. But the Holy Spirit took my efforts, as terrible as they were, and he saved my grandmother. And my grandmother's in heaven right now because I did everything wrong. And if you're here today, you say, preacher, I'm not even going to try because I'm going to mess it up. Well, I, sure you are. Absolutely you will. But see, it's not you doing it. It's the Holy Spirit.
The Holy Spirit is just needing somebody who will be a willing vessel and say, let me use you. And I promise you, it's not, this is a cliche. I know it's corny, but it's a cliche. It's not your ability. It's your availability. It's not your ability. It's you be willing to let Jesus use you. And I guarantee you this. I mean, what kind of skills could this woman possibly have? Seriously. What kind of skills could this woman possibly have? She just went and said, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Do you know what she did? You know what she did? She told her story. And the whole city ended up being converted because somebody was being willing to share the story of what Jesus did for her. And I want to pray for you guys. I want to pray for you guys. You know, we talk about revival. It's supposed to be revival Sunday. It is supposed to be revival Sunday, isn't it? Whatever. And I see preachers posting all the time, oh, we're praying that God will send revival. We're just waiting on God. Really? The last time I checked, he's already told us what to do. The fact is not that we're waiting on God. God's waiting on us. You know what? You know what real revival is? It's us deciding to finally be obedient. Obedient. Let's just be obedient. Go ye. Go ye. Go and tell. Go and tell. Tell them what good things the Lord has done for you. You remember that faithfulness song? How many of y'all can relate to that? How many of y'all God's been good to? Come on, raise your hand. Don't be ashamed. Who needs to hear about it? Who needs to hear about what God's done for you? Go tell them. You may be blown away at the response you get. You may be blown away by the fact that they say, I've been waiting on somebody. The girl, the girl at Fats, Fats Restaurant in Shelby, last Sunday night, when I told her my story, she had tears dripping off her face. And she trusted Christ and prayed right there Sunday night. On Tuesday, on Tuesday, the preacher said, all right, where do you want to go eat? I said, can we go back to Fats? I, I want to check on Jessica. I, I want to see if she's, she's doing okay. So right after the service, we went to Fats. And here she come. She come out from the back, and she looked at us, and she had the biggest smile on her face. She came up and gave us the biggest hug you've ever seen and said, you have no idea. You, this is what she said. She didn't go into detail, but she said, you just don't know. You just don't know. There's people all around us just like that. All around us. They may be kin to us. They may be your family. And I want to do this. As every head's bowed and every eye closed. How many of y'all would come and join us in this altar and say, God, give me a burden. If, if you know somebody right now, right now, if you know somebody that's lost, maybe a family member, maybe a friend, you know without a shadow of a doubt they're lost, 
Can, can you raise your hand and just say, Preacher, I know somebody like that. I know somebody like that. Will you, will you find a place in this altar and say, God, give me a burden for them. Give me a burden so I will have the courage and the boldness to share my faith with them. That's it. Come on. God bless you. Come on. We're just family tonight. It's just family. Come on. Say, God, give me boldness. Give me a burden. That's, this is not something that you can manufacture. This is not something you can work up. Say, God, give me a burden. Break my heart for the person that's on my mind right now. Break my heart. Dear Heavenly Father, I am so grateful. It just thrills my soul to see all these people at this altar. Lord, there's people in their hearts right now. There's people in their minds right now. Lord, there's folks that they are praying for. There's folks that they are begging you and crying out to you. They may be a relative. They may be a son. It may be a daughter. It may be an uncle, an aunt, a, a mom, or a dad. It may be somebody at work. It may be somebody at school. Lord, I pray that you will touch our hearts. Burden. Break. Lord, break our hearts to what break yours. Lord, I pray that you'll put in us what we need to stand boldly to be courageous, to be able to speak to whoever, whenever, wherever. God will give you the glory and the praise for you are worthy of it all. God, this is, this is your calling. This is the commandment and the commission you've given to us. And you said you would never leave us nor forsake us, that you, that you had all authority in heaven and in earth, and you would be with us to go do this. So, God, I pray that they will feel your presence every step of the way and Lord we will thank you for it in Jesus name Amen